Listeners, you probably didn't notice, but we have a new URL for the podcast. And you didn't have to notice. That was the whole point. That we made it a seamless transition. But I did want to call your attention to one thing. The URL points to a brand new website for CXCast called thecxcast.com, one word. And on that site, you can browse and search through all 180 plus and growing past episodes of the podcast. And you can search by different CX maturity topics, different subtopics like journey mapping. And it's a great way then to share episodes that are relevant with colleagues or with other people who you might want to pass content along to. So check it out, thecxcast.com, the website companion to the podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. This is Sam Stern, joined in studio as always by my co-host Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. On the line with us from our San Francisco office, senior analyst Andrew Hogan. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Thanks for having me. Andrew, we are excited to talk to you. Uh, You and a cast of many recently published a new piece of research called Digital CX Trends 2019. I was really struck by the subtitle of your report here, and, and so I think this is maybe previewing a little bit what we'll talk about in this conversation. Digital CX and human-centered experience design align at last, and that's a very provocative thought there. So if we're thinking about this report and listeners are going to become readers, what's in it? What are we sharing with them in terms of digital CX trends? Yeah, absolutely. So we have nine trends in here, and they cover lots of things from organizational changes to deal with digital customer experience and human-centered design to changes in form factors. Like we've had this spread of small ambient devices, watches, smart speakers, smart refrigerators, et cetera, that sit everywhere. So we cover a big range of trends, and then we included something about human-centered design and the relationship between that and digital customer experience. Why are you highlighting that in this digital CX? Like, Shouldn't you just be sharing the newest, coolest gadgets and technology use cases and interface designs with us and then leave it at that? Why is human-centered design so prominently featured in this report about digital CX trends? Customer experience is all about perceptions. And what we found is that the best way to create positive perceptions is to use human-centered design practices that put humans and human needs at the center, and they're ubiquitous. They're spreading. We've seen this massive uptick in interest, and we didn't feel like they should be separated. We felt like the two topics were so intertwined that we needed to talk about them in the same trends report. Just to add to that quickly, so you're right, Sam, that sometimes these trends are. Here are these new devices and technologies to watch. You can begin to incorporate these in your strategy to engage with your customers. But today, Technology is now so advanced, so intelligent, and in a way so intrusive, right? Like these smart devices Mm. placed all throughout your home, that it's not just watching what is the technology and the device, it's also watching how you use them. What can be the unintended consequences from a human interaction perspective? And so that's why I think the marrying of digital CX and this human-centered design, besides being something we're all passionate about, has also become so important. Yeah, I really like that framing because what's the most important thing to know about the new technology or the new connections between existing technologies is how they're actually used by the users. Like what are the emerging use cases in the home, you know, for smart speakers that you wouldn't have thought of or that relegate them to a second class new technology category rather than a primary one, for example. Maybe that's happening, maybe it's not, but you would only know that through the careful human-centered research. 
Well, not just research, but also evolution. I mean, you can continue adding new functions and new things that you think might help. But if you don't prototype to understand how they could help, how people might use them, what they might perceive as good or bad about them, you'll simply fail. There's lists upon lists of attempted innovations, both in terms of electronics themselves and then, you know, new services and new apps that have failed by not using a human-centered approach to create and evolve their offerings. If you could, share an example with us of how a company has applied a human-centered design or research process that has helped them create better use cases or more relevant use cases or uncover emerging behaviors with some of these digital interfaces or digital customer experiences. So one example of that is thinking about smart speakers, which at face value perhaps seemed really beneficial, is really mm-hmm. great digital CX trend that you want to get on board with and begin to use and implement to engage with customers. But if you apply human-centered design, you would realize, and this is feedback that customers have given after buying these, also hopefully during prototyping that was done as well. But do I know if it's on? Do I know if it's listening? Is there a visual clue like the blue light so that I know that Amazon Echo is listening to me while I'm talking versus not listening? And one of the fails is that Google Home and Amazon Echo devices are often over eager and will accidentally interrupt conversations or think that you're talking to them when you're not. Yes. And so that's something that by going through this process, seeing how people actually interact. You can see how those interactions go and some of those unintended interactions that you have to account for and design around. Even if you just think about the spread of journey mapping, journey mapping is a human-centered practice. So we just see journey mapping so prevalently featured by many digital teams, by many digital product leaders, that it's worth thinking about where that came from. It's a set of people trying to figure out how to design with humans at the center of what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean, the smart speaker example is top of mind for me. I was over at my neighbor's house, sitting in their living room, having an adult conversation among six people and Apple HomePod butted in at some point and thought we were talking to it. And I had not been aware it was in the room until Mm -hmm. it failed in its introduction to me being in the room. Of course, it introduces the, well, that's annoying. And someone said, oh, I hadn't seen one of these in someone's house. How do you like it to the host? And he said, meh. It's okay. With the evidence just before us that it wasn't working that well. And we're now all maybe a little worried. What else is it listening to in our conversation here? I totally take your point that it's that kind of use case that you would want to do research to understand how that would be perceived by the people in the room interacting often accidentally with these Mm -hmm. smart speakers, but still interacting with them. And take it a step further. I mean, notifications are everywhere. We're getting notifications from every app, from every service. That's essentially a primary way that many of them communicate with us. So think about your experience with Lyft. And if you don't think about the design of those notifications, you can forget to remind people, let's say, to check the license plate of the car that they're getting into. Mm -hmm. Explicitly change the language so that it's not just, hey, this is the license plate. It's like, oh, you should look. Okay, so you've got nine different trends in here. Why these nine? How did you arrive at this? Was this sort of a a committee of, you know, Forrester analysts sat in a room for two days and figured this out? How did, how do we arrive at these nine trends? Well, committee sounds bad. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a committee. I would say there were a group of us that have a strong interest in this area and that cover things in this area. We had multiple work sessions, shared drafts, and all of that was driven by the research we had done this year, the things we had been hearing more about than we were at the beginning of the year, the inquiries we were getting, the things that we spoke about at different events and got either positive responses or feedback of what should be different. It was essentially a big group effort from a large team to figure out what needs to go in here and how we would whittle it down from, I think, the 
number was something more like 50 early on. So we think these are the nine most important things happening, and there have been significant changes recently too. That makes sense. I mean, I guess one of the significant changes, if I'm projecting from my own experience here, is that there's a inherent skepticism about digital and about new devices and technology that just didn't exist even five years ago, certainly not 10, where we were like desperate for the next phone or smartwatch or social media platform. And now I feel like a lot of us are just inherently skeptical of new devices. Oh, well, this is just an excuse to make me have to buy a new hundreds of dollar device, or this is just to get more data from my living room now. So I wonder, is that one of the things that you're seeing as sort of changing what the trends are is that people are just have a different orientation to tech? Yeah, there's two things that we highlighted here. One of them was about digital addiction and the recognition that Mm. many of these services are designed to keep us using them, keep us spending time, not necessarily positive time. That's something that the early creators have highlighted. Even people like Nirial, who wrote a book called Hooked about how to build habit-forming products, has actually recently given presentations titled Indistractable, how to make yourself personally less distractible from some of the Mm. same services that he was talking about as great ways to get people using habit-forming products. So that trend around digital addiction and concerns with what's happening that consumers have about time they're spending is one where we're seeing some negativity. And then the one that I think Jenny is most passionate about out of these two and pushed me to include, actually, the idea of neglecting customer privacy and people's realization that their data is being monetized and the concerns they have about that. Yeah, I felt very strongly about that one. I'm glad it made it in here. And that's because you know, when we talk to companies who are thinking about how do I use AI, right? How do I use this new device? Oh, I want even just my app to be voice activated, or I want to integrate with a third party smart assistant. Is it HIPAA compliant? We're beginning to get all these questions around companies caring about protecting customer privacy. And that's good because their legal teams are probably more interested in what's <laughs> happening with these new technologies. So that's forcing the questions. But also we've seen on the news, all of these privacy breaches, right? right. Everything Facebook's been doing lately. Also know that privacy has become a hurdle for customer adoption. Many people will not have a smart speaker or any type of, you know, smart home appliance in their house because they are afraid of listening to them. And so that made it in here as something that needs to be addressed. And of course, will require that human-centered understanding in addition to, you know, as Andrew mentioned, the digital addiction trend and sort of some of these negative reactions and perceptions that we're seeing to technology today. That makes sense. You know, it used to be people bragged about how connected and how always on they were, which is essentially like a positive spin on addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're always on these devices and you're always using them. Now they brag about how disconnected they are. That's sort of like the leading edge. Like, oh, I'm not on any of these social media platforms anymore. I only use Instagram, I feel like is the one I always hear people saying. And like, oh, you know, I leave my phone, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I never do these things. I feel like what you can brag about has flipped. I absolutely agree. I think the thing to remember, even about privacy, is that this isn't everybody. This isn't even the majority. These are leading trends and indicators of where things are probably going. We saw legislation introduced about dark patterns and things designed to trick people into doing things in the Detour Act, which was a recent bill that was proposed. So we're seeing directions and things happening, but it's important to remember that that's just a group of people that's developing, not necessarily the majority of the country or the world. No, I totally take that. I just think, to me, it is a good leading indicator of what people feel like is societally acceptable to brag about. Like people are like, wow, gee whiz, how connected you are. That was 10 years ago. Wow, gee whiz, how disconnected you are is this year's version of that. And I think it's so striking how much it's flipped and it's literally probably the same people bragging about diametrically opposed things 10 years apart. (laughs) I think that's true. Yeah. All right, well, maybe the two of you 
could give us an overview of the report, right? There's nine trends. They're pointing in a bunch of different directions here. Can you sort of talk at a high level about how these trends fit together or how you would categorize them maybe? So broadly, they encompass changes with devices, changes in physical spaces, organizational changes to respond to the growth of design and also, you know, content alignment with design. We have the rise of inclusive design and accessibility, which is something that Gina Walker has done a lot of great research about. Uh, The growing realization that there's digital addiction concerns and there's some level of manipulation happening within the devices and services we're using. And then there's the response to customer concerns about privacy and company concerns about privacy and the opportunity there. I don't think it's necessarily been fully addressed, but there's a huge opportunity there as well. There's so much happening that each trend is almost its own category, which kind of makes sense that there's a lot to cover here. So you can only fit so much into one report. Yeah. And some of these are, you know, just a couple bullets about a trend that will then be followed by four yeah. reports and research. Right. So, well, as Andrew well, said, inclusive design is not a report. It's a ongoing stream right. of research that's right. getting bigger and bigger. Well, and similarly, you know, Ginny's research about voice interfaces and about smart devices as well. Ginny, I'll say it since you, you haven't said it yet. You have a bunch of great research there that people can read and, and dig into. And this is just a high level view. Yeah, Jenny yeah. was just about to say how great yeah, that research is. Yeah, it's really is. great research. Everyone should see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I will say some of this is touching on things that we have written about because it is happening and we're getting a lot of questions. Yeah. And some of it is also forward-looking. So we have something in here about product management. What is product management? What are the skill sets that you need? How do different types of companies have a different type of product management organization? Because we are seeing it coming out of pockets in engineering. Sometimes it's completely leaving out design and other cases, we see product management, which is being design-led. And so that's something that has really come to our attention, as a lot of companies are struggling with that, that we have research that will be coming out in the future. So this is sort of straddling both things that we know are happening right now and also that we identified in this next year. All right. Well, Andrew and also Jenny, co-host and co-author, both roles, straddling the line today. Thank you for walking us through some of the digital CX trends we're seeing here in 2019. It's a really interesting time because it's not just emerging technologies and interfaces. It's all of these sort of societal trends that are guiding how we use them and how we think about them and therefore what companies have to do in terms of staffing, in terms of organization, in terms of just their general orientation to new technologies and their potential use cases. That's going to guide some really profound changes, I think, in how we use digital customer experiences, both as consumers and how we think about them and conceive of them as companies. So great research coming at a very important time in this space. Thank you both. Listeners, we have posted a link to the report in the show notes, and we'll talk to you all on next week's CX Show. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey, for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.